Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Cathode Ray Podcast. My name is Lewis, and I'm joined by my friend Steve. How you doing, mate? Hey, Lewis. We're back, and I'm feeling good. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. We had a little break. There's lots of stuff going on. I know for you, you had snow and, and other things keeping you away. I had some work, so I'm happy that uh, we had a little week off. We're going to do this, release this one on the regular schedule, and, and we're happy to be back and we've got some just some stories. And I guess after the last episode where we were with Bob and the LCD and the whole production, that okay, we're just back to a regular old good old cathode ray podcast. We talk about what we do, a little bit of CRTs and uh, have a good time. Yeah, I think it was a good time, you know, to uh, let that episode go. It was a good long one with Bob. It was an awesome opportunity to have him on there. And really funny that we could just all around confirm the uh, kind of crappiness of this L earliest LCD PVM for uh, at least gaming purposes. It definitely has its its per set and piece of history. But yeah, it's not. Uh, we confirmed that it's not really worth pursuing as something to use for gaming. Probably one of the worst options. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I would say it was uh, you, 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 you term the uh, term the phrase well. That it's a part of history. That the yes, it happened. The only reason you would really want it is because it's a Sony P uh, LCD. Da 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 da. A bit of histories, the missing link in between, or something, but not for anything practical, as you say. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I'm still just gonna try to find like a bracket to put it on something and either hang it up as a background piece, I guess, in the wall or something. Because, yeah. like you said, it's not really other than just like, hey, look at it, and it's cool that it works. You don't, yeah. I'm, there's so many better options. I mean, I know that, um, especially with LCDs, you can still find a lot of those all really all over the place. Is just. Uh, it's not something that is rare, right? So I'm even thinking because I'm I'm using I mean my monitor right here. It's um it's an LCD. It's an old Dell one. It's still square, five by three or four by three, whatever you want to call it. And it's amazing. And it's LCD. It's not like all LCDs are crap. But this was made to this is very late uh, model LCD compared to the first that yeah. Sony were making. Yeah, first. I mean, this is 2006, man. That's still like uh, a pretty, pretty long time ago in the, in the thoughts of electronics. That's that's a lifetime. So thankfully, things have gotten better with that. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to work on that. And uh, you did a good job of uh, putting the uh, the the screen on camera, like the way that you, well, you that centered it nice. It was really easy to edit your footage. It was all right in the center and you did a good zoom. And I was really impressed with that. So good, good work to you, Steve. Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks for working on it. What I think that, because um, I, I kind of committed to doing this, so I'm, but I'm going to try to take my time a little bit. Uh, I want to put it one last just send off for this thing. And the ma majority of that is not going to be what we've already shown. I'm going to just hook it up next to a uh, PVM that is... A 13 inch probably that's similar uh, to that one kind of I have one that I have in mind and then I'll just run it uh, in series you know and mm. then I will so I have a 13 inch and then I've got one 8 inch and I'd like to you know, just to just to have them sit next to side by side on each other and try to shoot some footage of the different way it looks because uh, when you when I was filming uh, those segments on that, at least after repairing it, uh, the, the 240p looks really good when you're filming it at least, but then like the 480i looked pretty awful. Um, but it was, so it was strangely interesting. 
uh, how the whole uh, the whole thing turned out. But there will be one last thing where I'll I'll try to do that comparison left for everybody. Good one. You actually you you gave me an idea just now, which I didn't uh, test because I wanted to also mention. Well, I've got my follow up as well, which is the uh, a video about the OLED PVM, which I finally put out. And that monitor was from 2011, and it's the next generation. It's uh, they Sony moved on uh, many more years of research and technology, and that screen I can say is well, I said it in the video, fucking tremendous. It looks amazing. It's a deep blacks, beautiful matte screen, su- super quick response rate, uh, and it's a great screen. And sorry, the thing that I, I, you, you made me think about is because I was commenting to you that if you look at my OLED video really closely, I've got a shot with a BVM CRT and the OLED PVM. And, and they're both coming out of a mister. The BV at the CRT comes out of analog. HDMI goes from, uh, you know, to the, to the OLED. And I, looking at the footage, I noticed that the PVM was two frames behind, uh, the BVM uh, when I went on a 60 frames, frame by frame basis. And we did the lag test and we saw that PVM only had like six milliseconds. And, uh, what I, what I think in the end it was, is that the, the Mr. Output is not perfectly synchronized between HDMI and analog. I hmm. suspect that was the only conclusion I could come to. And if that's not the case, then uh, something else is fucked up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but you gave me the idea that what I should have done is run analog into the BVM and then out of that into, I f- oh no, pass, yeah, pass through. I forgot pass through basically, uh, which I could have, yeah, I should have done somehow. Well, the it's it's mm. going to be more convenient for what I'm attempting to do because I'm using, you know, the bad thing about talking about the PVM that you worked on, the OLED, is the best thing you're looking for there is HDMI. So actually using the Mister is smart because then you've got a way of just sending it through well, and over yeah. to it. Now, um, yeah, obviously there was something going on there, but it, it's easier to to do it like that. Whereas with my setup, I only can use analog. So the easiest thing to do is to just put up my analog to SCART input uh, one and probably I uh, will put that on the uh, CRT and, and then feed that out of that into the PVM that's the LCD and then set up and just take some shots of a bit C. And then that's also what I was wondering too. If, if, so if technically the lag is so bad on that LCD, would it eventually get to the point where it was noticeably different? Um, you know, it, I don't understand how if you keep that lag going, if it, uh, if if you let it run in a cycle the way I was talking about having set up, would the uh, LCD screen eventually lag itself where the picture was off sequence from the input? I don't know. Is it so? That's kind of an interesting thought, but it might yeah, take too too it, too long to film. I don't know, but mm-hmm. that's the way I was going to do the test for the side by side. Okay. Actually, that also is something that I didn't include in the OLED video, um, maybe in the V2 I would include, is I, I didn't go through the menu too much, but in the menu of the OLED, there is, there's a setting that I totally forget its name right now, um, but it, it was, it's about uh, OLED, the OLED is the response time is too fast. 
and I read up on, I was like, what is this setting? What is it doing? And it was like, it was always like movie mode or something or video mode or something. I was like, this is weird. And it was a, a patch that was actually introduced after, uh, well, it wasn't in the first revision of the OLED, then it was rolled in later, but it was also available as a patch. And it's something about that the movie footage was not looking good on the OLED because the response rate was too fast. I think it basically, if you're, if you're running 24 frames a second of movie footage through it, the OLED was turning off too fast and you were getting a, a flicker effect from your OLED. And I think it's holding on to a frame for a bit longer in movie mode. Um, because again, no, none of us are thinking about uh, video footage, but that's the, the the most of the use case for this thing. So yeah. uh, that's something I'd like to, that would be really cool, especially if I had a faster camera to experiment with that and see it's what true. difference is that actually making on that screen. Yeah, if you had a very fast camera, it would be cool or something to see if, um, yeah, or it, like I said, or an extremely long amount of time to set something up and, and film it mm. for days. But yeah, I don't know... Uh, I don't really know um, about like the good thing is, is I think there's still your video left a lot that there still could be done with the OLED and there's still like a lot of possibilities with that one. Whereas with my uh, study on the LCD was kind of like disheartening to me at the end of the day <laughs> where put so much effort into it but there's really so much lipstick you could put on this pig it's not it's not getting any better it's like yeah. it's just it is what it is and um it, it but then it's kind of discouraging to think about like oh more lcds and then i was like man it's just like the idea of more lcd stuff just but let uh, me tell you if we could get our hands on more screens like maybe a later lcd that'd oh, be yeah. interesting absolutely i think that that was that also made me think though the importance of uh, if if we find it and could get it to to try to do this for the one piece just because there might be a situation where there might be something that is really good and um it all does have historical <laughs> Yeah, is there Historical. a good Sony? That was the first one, maybe yeah. the last line or something, maybe just before OLEDs, they must have done something. Or, I mean, they, and as you said, there's so much in this flat pro monitor area. And I think we're really some of the first creators to really dig into this in the retro space. Um, so we kind of got this wide open field right now um, i guess because there's not so many available so well it's, it's really funny them, yeah. it's funny too because you know this would be like if we were the first ones to start working on crts way back before really any before when they were really junk because that's kind of what they are right now uh one of the things that the video that i would have just had come out before this you haven't seen it because it's still at the filming of this it's it's from my trip when I went to Tennessee and I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to be out of town. I want to do something creative. And I wound mm. up uh, filming, going to three different places that were stores in the area and just hunting for stuff. And, um, you know, you run into these LCDs and a lot of them are just the junk, but the, it's it's still fun to look at. But the, the idea is that there's still a lot of them out there. There's no hard... It's not, they're real easy to get most of the time, um, mm -hmm. but it's just, is it a good one? Like, that's what I always look and see. Is it really even one worth getting? That's the problem. 
it's hard to know. Um, yeah, the, the late model LCDs, the correct one. Actually, because I, I made a whole video a while ago about why I like these square LCDs. Uh, the ones that are still, look, you say four by three, but I think technically it's five by four. Uh, someone will oh, really? correct me in the comments, but I think they're technically five by four, but they're square, non-widescreen. And for me, it's a great uh, indicator that this is a, a decent LCD panel because that was sort of, you know, it's at the end, like when they've got a large square one that looks modern. So I uh, happened to find, I already have two. And I found another load of eight of them at the the secondhand store. I bought one more. I, I didn't take all eight, but I yeah. couldn't leave there without paying eight bucks for one more of these monitors. So I'm I'm stocking up. I have three of these square LCDs, That's and awesome. they all have five millisecond response time. And I'm like, well, I'm keeping these. I'll keep these. You know, these are the the special ones for the future. Yeah, when we have the LCD podcast in That's, 15 yeah, years. That's, uh, the, there was one that I found that was in that old format and it was a television. It was made by Toshiba and it was flat screen with a built-in DVD player and component Ooh, input. And I was like, Ooh, okay. maybe this is tempting. But then uh, the problem was with the stuff at the place I went to was a Goodwill. You have Goodwills in your country, right? You said oh, we have the equivalent of okay. in Estonia. They're called Uskasutuskeskus, but yes, Goodwill. Well, that sounds about the same. <laughs> exactly. So I go into the Goodwill. That's what two of the places are. And uh, they have those things, but they are just covered in like this disgusting slime oh, half the time. And it's shit. just like, yeah. oh, you don't even want to touch it. Yeah. Uh, I did find a vcr and then i was trying to test it and it almost ate the tape that i was testing <laughs> so that was funny uh but it, um i the the really incredible thing was when i was filming this footage i was looking around and there was like two or three other people filming for footage for things like out there <laughs> doing the same silly freaking thing i was like oh my gosh I'm, i was like trying to hide it too so like I was like this and because one of the stores I went to at the end, they were like not cool about me filming. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to sneak around here like I'm holding my phone like I got a crick in my arm and just filming all this stuff. And uh, how did you know they weren't uh, cool with it? Did oh, you ask well, them? Well, no, I didn't ask them because I mean, you know, you just get those vibes sometimes when you walk into yeah, a place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is another place, too, that's in like a junkie section of town. I, I mean, it is really shady, seedy part of, uh, like there's there's this big parking lot behind it, and you, there's like mattresses and like crackheads out back just like losing their stuff and cops always driving through there because this is on like the outskirts of Nashville, mm. and this store is here that's been here forever, uh, but it, like it, every time it is a journey just to get to it, so you go through. And uh, yeah, so there's always like, everybody's just like watching everybody. Like you go in there and it's just cause there's like, we're watching you don't steal from us stuff. And I'm oh, like, yeah. of course I'm not, you know, stealing anything, but that's the, you know, that's just the attitude from a lot of the, uh, unfortunately probably people that go in there sometimes they are responsible for it. And the other thing was, it was like 20 minutes before they closed. Like I finally got mm -hmm. down there. And so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, they're like watching me. Get, we're closing in 20 minutes. We're closing. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just, yeah, right. So I'm like, but I was able to get some stuff. Um, were those other people <laughs> who you saw filming, were they filming tech stuff as well or other things? I mean, I don't know. One of the guys just looked like he was out of it. And the funny thing oh, okay. was at Goodwill, they, will, they were announcing like, 
over the loudspeakers pre-recorded messages and they would say now please be respectful of other customers if you're filming in the store goodwill does not care please remember to sue hashtag goodwill and put us on your videos you know <laughs> they're like they don't wow. care and that's what was the big difference is like a goodwill there they just don't even care they're letting the people do it and uh, i saw one guy that was in there that was like this guy that would show up to yard sales a lot for years when I lived in the area back then. Cause the first place I went was the place I went to like right down the street within two miles of my old house. And this guy would hit up all the yard sales cause he was always trying to hunt for stuff to just sell on eBay. You know, uh, he wasn't, so he wasn't actually filming, but I saw him in there like picking through stuff, you know, and I was like, good grief, this guy, he's, he's all over this store because the place was a really good store to get stuff. And then I look over and there's another guy just like with a stick, you know, just like out of it, just, just filming stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is not, not like nonchalant. And I went to a second one, like the second closest Goodwill. And the other guy was there too. Like he, <laughs> the guy who was just filming with a stick, he was there like five minutes after me. And, uh, so it was, I mean, it was an experience to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, hopefully people have watched that and get a good laugh out of that video. And then I topped it all off and I went and, uh, went to the Predators game and shot a little footage from inside the no, Nashville wait, wait. hockey Predators game that I had sent you okay. a picture. Predators of hockey, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's the NHL National Hockey League in America. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say we need to back it up for that, our internet yes. and everyone else. So I know there be, there probably will be somebody who understands <laughs> hockey and maybe under this is the Americans professional league. So um, yeah, I got an invite to go to a game. Nice. And uh, so like sure, and I was I took some footage. I found this little area they had filled with um, arcade machines. And, and, and so I took pictures of that. And of course they were all LCD screens. And I was just like, this is rubbish. You, know? you dig inside. There's probably <laughs> yeah. a, like an original GBS 220 in there or it's something. Just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, but Steve, I don't want to give away uh, too much of the video, but spoiler alert, when you went to this uh, hockey game, did you get thrown out of this hockey game? I'm going to say, I'm going to keep that <laughs> as like, you'll have to watch it and see if I get thrown out. It's uh yeah, I was laughing because I was thinking about sports shenanigans, you know, because I've, been, man, I've been to a lot and sometimes I've been asked to leave nicely, not nicely. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is to, um, this is something I learned a long time ago. Take this as a seasoned heckler. And <laughs> I grew up heckling at the minor league baseball. And so you got like the major league baseball, which is the big show, they call it uh, here in the United States. And then you go under that and there's the minor league, which is basically guys who are getting paid nothing to go out there and do this as their second job as hopes that one day they'll make it to the show. And so I could go out to those games for relatively cheap. And then, you know, they'd have these events where it's like drink all the beer you can stomach and <laughs> so you learn then to entertain yourself by heckling these poor double a ball players to death and uh the trick is though to never use curse words because they have an impossible time like to get rid of you if you don't swear and like use obscenities it's really funny so 
If okay, you could yeah, keep you it, yell, if you, you could keep it you, like You, sir, are no good at your job. Exactly. And make it ridiculous. Like, you, sir, are terrible at this job. You should go home and retire forever and, like, not stop to where, like, they're staring you down. And you go, what are you looking at? I am extremely upset and I am talking to you. And it just, like... And it's just by the end of like the seventh inning, they're so they're so upset that you know that like it's funny because you know like you're having probably an impact on that play. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you're fucking with some guy. He's poor bastard. He can't get into the main leagues. His second yeah, job. His wife's been nagging bucks. him. He's still doing that shit, and then this fucking cracker up there in the stands is yelling at him. God. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, the last one I got, I did get asked to leave recently for something, and maybe we'll save that one for another story. Um, but, yeah, I used to go to all kinds of different things. You know, what, what about you? Did you ever go, like, what's the experience like? I know that you go mostly to uh, events, but is there a sporting event that is big anywhere near there that would be comparable? Yeah, what would be big? Because then uh, we have, uh, I guess we have a, a major league or a national league of football, but even those are a few thousands or 5,000 maybe might come to one of those. for No, that would be a national game. Then you'd maybe fill the stadium. Uh, I don't know, sports that we might go and watch. We were watching some mixed martial arts a little while ago. Uh, that was pretty cool. But no, not a lot of just getting out there and, and just watching sports. I do kind of miss that, especially in a big stadium, in a big area to go and do that. I think as an Australian, I miss a bit of cricket, I have to admit. I miss the cricket. Look, I understand it's boring as fuck. I understand you're like, you're looking at these. One guy hits it, the other guy runs across and you think baseball doesn't look exciting. Wait baseball, till you see that's what I'm saying, not much difference. You know, there's a lot of downtime. And yeah. the difference with cricket, though, is that we have versions of the game. So one ver there's a short version of the game that can be like, I don't know, a couple of hours, probably three hours or four hours. Then there's the one-day version, takes the whole day. Then there's a five-day version of the game. One game of cricket is five days, and it's the best yeah. It's so good. There's strategy and you just kind of have it on. And it's like the traditional thing we, we call the Boxing Day test. Is, uh, there's always a test for Australia and someone else on Boxing Day. So we all, Christmas and it's all hot and we're watching that. And maybe the game doesn't go for five days. So if you've got the fifth day ticket, you never know. Someone could someone can win the game in probably about three, maybe they could win the game if they were real good. And uh, yeah, it sounds like boring as dog shit, but geez, I miss it. I love no, it. You're out there awesome. in the field, bit a bit of yelling, and maybe this is our version in Australia that because it's a big round oval, and the two blokes are in the the two batters are in the middle, and then you've got the fielders who are positioned all around the field. So yeah, if you've got a fielder who's near to you on the field, you want to yell out to him like, "Hey, mate, ah, fuck, you missed it, you fucking ah." Or something like that. Or then he'll, famous one, he'll be out there in the field doing his exercises, doing yeah. some stretches, and then the crowd does the stretches with him and everything. Hey, your peckers hanging out. It's like, yeah, 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 like yeah. Ah. So maybe cricket. Cricket would be yeah. my would be my one. That's cool. Yeah. So like there weren't. Um, one of the funny things I was thinking about when I was thinking about the sports stuff was NASCAR races and. Are you familiar with this NASCAR race like that? Sure. So the, Most people know NASCAR. Yeah. yeah. So NASCAR. And I mean, I'm talking about when I was going to NASCAR, it was like the heyday of NASCAR. Oh, early 2000s. Right. This was when I was still in college. And 
they would be that kind of an event where it was um the first one i went to was in this in alabama in the middle of nowhere i mean nowheresville where it was uh talladega talladega my friend calls me up steve i'm in the dorm rooms at this time at murfreesboro uh at mtsu just in the dorms like what am i gonna do this weekend i gotta call my buddy steve you gotta get ready man i'm driving through there in an hour i'm taking you to talladega and it's i'm like what is this talladega stuff man and he's like oh it's nascar we're going there and i'm like but dude, it's Thursday, man. Those NASCAR races aren't till like Sunday, right? And he's like, yeah, but don't worry. I got a ticket lined up. We're going down there now. We're going to camp and hang out the whole weekend. Because I was like, well, that's good because I'm broke, right? I don't have any money. I'm in college. I'm just in the dorms. It's okay. So he shows up and he's got this, you know, the, the original Chevy Suburban from uh, late 90s where okay. it's like a boat, you know. I mean, it's a monstrous thing. Pulls up in that. And he's like, I got a spot in the back for you. I was like, all right, I got a sleeping bag. And there's like this much room in the back between all their camping gear and all the beer that's been brought for the, the weekend. And then a couple dudes like, yeah, we're going to Talladega, Talladega. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is. And I'm like, yeah, man, Talladega, yeah, woo. And so we got down there, drove for like six hours all night, get there. And it's just literally you pull up in the biggest campground like party thing i've ever seen in my life I, I just couldn't believe it you just like you go in there's nothing in this this town there's it's just open highways and there's a racetrack somewhere around here you can't see it because you know <laughs> they just you're camping like two miles away from it you know okay so yeah you we just pull in and it's like you get to the end and it's like yeah this is our spot man we're gonna go in here and, you know, so then of course you sit there and you drink all the beer and you hang out all that night so they let you let as many fires and hang out all night if you want so cool yeah we just so get, is it like tailgating it's, it's a little exactly, bit like that atmosphere it's, yes yeah. it, but it's just like three days of tailgating so <laughs> you're doing this again this is thursday and this place just keeps filling and filling and every night becomes like wild you know wild stuff the, i mean I, I could go into the stories like the most wild things that happen just from random nights walking around this park you'd be like i don't have anything to do it's 12 o'clock i'll grab some beer and let's just wander and see what happens so like the the guys who went with me was the guy i was telling you about just a second ago who called me his name is uh dave so he's like yeah man we're going you know and the other guy who comes his name's jonathan and jonathan was kind of like he was like the good old country boy redneck like but dirty like perverty and you're just like <laughs> this old friend that you've had forever is hilarious but he would get i mean he would drink he would get crazy and he had this we go to these uh these tailgate parties and he had this chef's apron and it said uh like kiss the chef or kiss the cook on it and it had this towel hanging from it right like in the front and the funny thing was is you'd pick the towel up and wipe your hands with it well it had this big fake pecker and balls uh, attached to the thing where it's so like you lift it up and it would have a huge you know pecker and balls just hanging there so it's hilarious but the problem was is we seen it like a thousand times he would go to like these tailgates and wear it all weekend and like sometimes <laughs> only that and like some uh shorts and just like this like hey ladies how y'all doing want to kiss the cook and just like <laughs> so yeah that's yeah, that's the other guy there at this crazy I tailgate and you're spending just days in here and then like there's a race 
And um, the crazy thing about NASCAR at this time was you could bring your own coolers into the race filled with Whoa. your own beer. Like you, yes, you didn't have to buy Whoa. anything. And so there was, you talk about some drunk fools after five <laughs> hours of a race in the, in the Alabama sun. summer sun. Yeah. After a whole weekend of partying. I mean, I saw grown men the size of uh, like 300 pounds passed out, covered in like beer cans because they passed out like 20 minutes before the race. And like all these people just throw beer cans on. I'm like, oh, loser. <laughs> you didn't make it. And, and so you just, I mean, it was just it's the craziest thing. It was like really the peak time for NASCAR because after that, mm. people started losing interest. And, um, it was, it was it, just not the same. This, this was like something that, like, I went to all these races, like the Daytona 500 and these Bristol night races, and these things were like the hardest ticket to get in sports when this was going on. Again, like mm. 15, 16, 17 years ago, right after kind of the death of Dale Earnhardt Sr. Uh, was kind of when it all kind of took off. And so it was just it was an interesting experience after going to it that one time with those guys yeah. i pretty much was like yes i will go and i did i went to like the, i said the daytona 500 i went to that twice i took my grandmother <laughs> to that <laughs> and my mom and my wife now she was just actually like we just started dating that time so that was a fun trip it, it's a little bit less party there it's more of like a corporate event at that one okay is it because the uh, where you went is like really out in the countryside, yes. really the bumfuck nowhere? So exactly. shit gets wild. And how how often back in that day was that once a year? Or that why was, was twice that a year, and twice it's a, a huge year. track. All right, and yeah. see, this is like one of the times they they had to start changing the rules for NASCAR because if you would go, it was a huge track over two and a half miles long, and they'd be doing five hundred miles on this thing, and it would get all the way to the end. And they would have a caution because something would like happen, like a piece of a car would fly off and then it would go um, this time. They would do like that three times or something. And if, if it just kept going a caution on the last lap, they would just stop the race. And uh, that had happened like twice in a row. Like this was the second year it had happened. I wasn't there the year before, but at this one it happened. And the crowd was so pissed off that they took their beers and they threw them like over the fence, like thousands of people at this alabama racetrack was filled and beer i mean i lewis i turned around and i was just watching because i was so scared somebody was going to hit me in the back of the head with a flying beer bottle because it was glass i mean like i said they let you bring anything in here and i mean they're like oh, screw you jeff gordon they're cheating for you boom 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 and then uh after that they like changed the rules where they're like we won't end under that kind of a scenario i can't remember the exact way it, it all played out but they changed the rules so the ending was different because of it and they had to like spell it out I, but yeah it was and, crazy they were literally and no more unlimited throwing, beer as well yeah well, i don't know about that they, that that was uh it was crazy and then hmm. here this was even funnier listen to this so the the area where this race is is out in the middle of nowhere this is so good and you go and there's only like two grocery stores and then a couple of uh truck stops here and so you're going there thursday friday and then saturday you're going there and buying as much as you want because they just keep them stocked for this weekend but what happens is on Sunday, the day of the race, which is at like 2.30 in the afternoon, okay, which, you know, after lunchtime, they don't 
it's illegal for them to sell beer in this part, this city anymore after midnight Saturday the night before. And not before till, a race or before any Sunday? No, any Sunday. They don't sell it any Sunday. So it's like, it's, it's, so there's this rule there. So then when you show up to the store thinking you're going to get some beer, you can't that day. And there's literally like the largest chains you've ever seen from uh, from some kind of like Moby Dick movie that are like barred over the coolers where you were originally getting the beer it's just filled with beer but it's all been locked down and there's like armed guards because they're like don't you try come get some of this beer now he'll you know so <laughs> it's yeah they're like oh i forgot to buy beer and then there's and then you go in the poor parking lot and they're like yep yeah, we got this bush light beer it's only Fifty dollars a six pack. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> dude, that's like. Uh, uh, right, should have stocked here. up. You should have. Exactly. Well, it sounds like the car was full right. of uh, alcohol. Oh yeah, it wasn't. It was just we Boom. knew that. We knew that. As my friends like, oh, you don't want to show up there and need the beer. That's what happened to this guy last year. <laughs> and so he, he didn't I have like any a, beer on Sunday. He didn't go into the race. He had to buy all the beer there. So that's what they. Uh, that was I like chance. how he talks like he's like clever, like I've worked it out. Oh, I've, oh, I'm the genius. I've yeah. done it here. You got to buy yeah. the beer. I'm experienced. Oh. Well, yeah, this this guy. See, this guy was Dave. Is his name? His his old man was a truck driver, and he was he knew all like this backwoods stuff. I've like I said, this is just one. We we can go on these other times. I get prepared for something more, but. Um, <laughs> are all um are all NASCAR tracks just round or do they have is it all for the most the part same? they're but they're like variations of round and like size so they go as small as half a mile maybe even a quarter mile so it's really tiny and it's super loud and it's just like like how I I I think I mean I would love to go to a, a NASCAR race right I would love it yeah. I think the atmosphere all that crazy. All that crazy stuff that you talk about. But I'll, a, a little hint, Steve. Internationally, everyone looks at America and says, well, they just drive around a fucking oval, around and yeah. around again. How dumb are these guys? They can only turn left. That's it. And That's I, all they now can do I is get turn it. left. <laughs> That's, That's it. Left. They I'm like, really? Nothing else? else? No, no, other, no just right turns. No way. No, they're actually... So there are there are like three or four road tracks that NASCAR will do. Now, NASCAR will have a whole season of like... I don't know, 35 to 40 races, you know, mm. and maybe five of them will be on these road tracks where it does have turns, you know, like an IndyCar race. You've seen yeah, those okay, in like sure, a formula. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Just like that. They'll put them on that kind of a course. And so the guys who are good at doing the turns always are not good at this track. And there's always like some guys who come out of nowhere who are good mm. because they normally just do that formula. And uh, here it's, you know, it's a different, it's got its own league here. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, but the majority of the big famous tracks. So for example, Talladega was one of the biggest, um, in size. And so like, you'd see the cars and then you'd go like, you know, and then they go way out into views over here and then they come That's back. That's dope though. That's pretty cool. And it would be like that all that. day. But see, the problem was when you would go, uh, I went to a Bristol night race, which is like the short track in bristol tennessee and it was insane because there's 43 cars on this track and it's a it's a so tiny it's half a mile all they're doing is this and it's mm. just loud and you have to wear earplugs you cannot hear anything because it'll make your ears bleed if you don't and you're just sitting there and it's like 
I think at the apex of this, there's almost a hundred thousand people at this event. Dang. Live, crazy Dang. stuff. So to me, that would be the like. While I'm saying like, oh, the car just goes around and around, and what does it do? But to me, that then again, I told you that I would sit and watch a cricket game for five days. Why? Because I love the strategy. So I can, I, I get it. When you're going around and around this loop, first of all, you're going really fast. You don't have to stop for a corner or something. And I guess it's that long-term strategy. I get, like slowly get up. I get behind the guy and. Um, I don't know. It sounds like some strategic thinking in it. Well, in there's race. yeah. It had its own culture. It's definitely got its own like its own thing going on there, man. It was like its own life force. Just like I feel, I feel like you go into almost any um, sports entertainment venue thing like that, and and it's like the home team, and you get kind of a feeling uh, sometimes where some of it just feels like, oh my gosh, if you're not, if you were like an out of towner going to this game and you know showing up with this kind of fan base you'd be like scared i, I always remember feeling that way mm. like going certain things and then other times you'd laugh because it would be the opposite you know it's just like nobody shows up and there's like this big empty space and so it's kind of a mixed bag it's definitely different now after all mm. the pandemic has changed everything but i also think you can see that too on the american television here there's plenty of uh, live sporting events every weekend still going and they're filling up people are just going to them the hockey game uh was a yeah how many it was during the middle of the weekend i mean it was you know at, at the time um it went going it was mostly full of I mean, like 80 percent filled in this indoor arena which would have seat i don't know fourteen thousand people if it was filled or something mm. so um but yeah, it's good. It's, it's good that people are going to sport. It's good that people right, are getting out, and that you're—I know in America you're you're free as you can be. Uh, we're not quite free. We're almost free here. Uh, we're getting to it. So it's oh, yeah, nice. it's it's it was it was a good chance. I didn't. It was was not something I was expecting to do. Um, and that's that's generally a, all these sporting events go for me. See, yeah. um, so I was glad to be able to go. Uh, the last time I had went was a while before all this stuff happened. It was actually like a playoff game too, so that was that was fun. But um, yeah, just oh, it, there there are some fun. I love it. I can't wait. Well, when, stories. When I, I come, we're definitely when yeah. I'm having my trip to your place. Definitely, we're gonna be going to some. Well, yeah. So speaking sure. speaking of dates and ideas here, let's put a marker here. This only took thirty minutes for this announcement. I forgot to say <laughs> important announcement, everyone. So I will be back at the Music City Multicon. This is like so much advance notice. I've never given this much advance notice, Lewis. This is. Oh, man, yes. We have over nine months advance notice if anybody feels like coming out to the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. <laughs> it's not that far out. It's like 20 miles outside of Nashville in a place called Lebanon at the Farm Bureau Expo Center. It's the same place for the video I did where mm. I was at the CRT Paradise and I did show all those um, CRTs. So that will be back again October 28th to the 30th. I will be doing my panel and footage from my panel from 2021 will be available soon. So when it's available, that's cool. I'll put it up and then we'll be able to talk more about that. And uh, so that that's should be, be interesting. Soon. So that's you're going to put that on your own channel. They give you that yeah, footage and you can put it, it on well, your own channel. It's either that or he'll he'll 
he'll put it out and then I'll just get a copy of it and put it out on my own channel too. So that's what I did last time. And it's fine that way because, um, I have a bigger, you know, I mean, they don't really, they, they don't really make videos that often or anything, but, um, I'll be going so what back was last there. Year's, what was the topic you talked about this year again? It was, it was kind of like this almost, it was pretty much an alteration. So I originally had made this presentation and published it. I don't know, man, it's been almost two years ago. And mm-hmm. I took that. That was the only time I gave it. And then everything shut down the next year. And so last year I took the same presentation and just reads it a little bit and then added a section where I went through like the 240p test suite. I had a CRT set up. Um, so it will be just like me running through that presentation with the Q and a, I don't know when they, so the cool thing was, is I don't know when they started recording it, but like when the beginning of the thing showed up, there was a kid there that was probably nine or 10 years old asking me all kinds of awesome questions about CRTs. Like with his dad, he was just like, Oh, you know, what's the normal problem? Is it capacitor failure or cold solder joints? And I was like, Dang. <laughs> like out of nowhere, <laughs> like, where is this kid coming from? I'm like, wow, you must be real proud of your son here. And he's like, yeah, where can I find a CRT? And like all these, like, I mean, 15 minutes of really good questions before the presentation started. Cause I was just, mm. I was going with him and it was probably 10 people in there with us. And so then I was like, let me go through the presentation. And I'll open up for questions at the end. Cause it's a long one. And it's got all that stuff where it's like the history of the CRT. It's on my channel. It's got a lot oh, of Oh, I've views. seen that video. Right. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah, yeah. that awesome. one is the presentation. So it's just like I sped it up, took out some stuff, changed some stuff in it. And then um, so but but what I did was talking to him. I'm I have been working on this because I'd like to give that one still and alter it a little bit more, but also do another one, uh, a new class where I could go and just tear apart a CRT you know, and then put it back together. Um, and, and that'd be it for like a 45 minute presentation. And that way that could be different. And that's not something I have to sit there, go through slides because the other ones are very slide heavy show. Right. The next thing. So that's nice as your, your keynote. That's nice as he's the main Steve thing. This is the body of experience. I can bring in my nice presentation, but I, cause I was going to say, I mean, that's the one thing that I took away from your video was, gee, you went all that way, you did all that thing, and then it's just one talk, and then you're done. And uh, I'm glad that this year they're giving you a little bit more extra opportunities, different rooms, different style, not just an auditorium, maybe a smaller thing where people can gather around and and watch or something like that. Yeah, and I don't know that... See, last year I wasn't really sure on how I was going to be able to even do it. And I was honestly like, didn't really... Leading up to it, I was a little just leery before... You see, before I would go and I would work the whole thing as a, like a booth vendor. And mm. so I would make a lot of money selling retro games then. Um, but I've gotten to the point now where I really don't want to sell my stuff that's left because I did that like for years. Mm. And uh, a lot of that stuff, I was like, I'll never find it again. But then luckily I did. But um, I don't I, I still like the idea, though, of having a place where I know the owner and like I said, I can go do all that. And I thought that would be a really cool thing that if you ever were able to come over here, you know, you could come this, that weekend and we could do like the whole podcast from there. And, and like, then, you know, 
we could do anything, film for each other and stuff. I mean, at least mm. I, they don't care about me filming any of obviously there. So like I was able to get great shots, but it's literally me going and sitting on my tripod yeah. around something, filming and then like sitting down and I would just like, it, it, which is cool, but uh, it would be so, yeah, it would be more fun to do it with somebody else, but it's, it's a yeah, good Yeah, I'd love event. to do that, so... Let's so, see. Well, good that you've given me the, the whatever the many many months of notice yeah. that who, and who knows what else can be around. That thinks well, hey, I want to um, maybe go to this show. Here's a lot of notice. If you watch this and you're thinking about a show that uh, we'll have a lot of stuff, you could go check out that video uh, where mm -hmm. I went around. I pretty much showed everything except for like there was this whole techno like dance uh, tent somewhere that I didn't even go to. And then there was a pinball room, which I forgot about, um, which it's really cool. It's, it's like this own little uh, like seedy pinball circuit that is like old school. And so it's, it's really fun also. You know, it's got that. You, are you familiar with like the uh, 90s movie Kingpin, the bowling movie oh. with um, Eddie Murphy? Or no, Eddie. What am I thinking? Not, not Eddie Murphy. Now I'm going to sound stupid. 1996 film. Uh, yeah. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, yeah. Eddie Murray. I don't know why I said Murphy. Sorry. Eddie Murray. Sounds close. But anyway. No, no, big, wait, no, no, no. Bigger McCracken. Bill, so Bill Murray. Yeah, so it's like this funny thing going yeah. on. So that's kind of like a good comparison there for... I'd that, love so. to. I've I've also been thinking about what could we do if we were there because my background, as everybody knows, is live events. I love live. I love events. I know how to put on events. I know how to perform at events. So um, yeah, I would love to not only do the podcast live. I know I've been hassling you that we should do the online podcast live one time uh, when we find yeah. the right day and the right time slot and so forth. I've been experimenting. With that, I just even wanted that. I want to do live, and the, the seeing the chat and having the interaction is something that really gets me going. So, uh, yeah, it's it'll be very cool to to be at one of those events. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, I think it would be awesome to sit there just at like a cheesy table and film us like and all this yeah. that background clutter. And it's Halloween weekend, so there's always cosplay and stuff always going on. So it's not um, there's a lot of interesting characters now at this event uh there's also huge at least last year and i think it will be the same there's this huge uh fighting scene like fight game uh fighting street game. fighter yeah tournaments mm -hmm. at this uh, event where you know where you can win money so there's, there was uh, hundreds of people there just for that um so it was a and, and it's a big 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 uh, event center so it's, I'm looking forward to doing yeah. it live. I'm looking forward yeah, to just that, doing I it like a, a lot of not only with you in person, but I'd love to have a live show where we just get up here and do the podcast. Yeah, well, we could of live. course do that. I think that, that uh, as well. So many options. So many yeah, options. We've run a few uh, here in Estonia. We've run uh, some of our guys in our management agency are, are pretty popular. So with popular podcasts as well, and we've run live podcasts a bunch of times. Uh, you know, um, I would say. Well, a bunch, not only a bunch of times, to different podcasts and probably up to, I think we've done up to about 200 or 250 uh, for a podcast recording where we actually sold tickets and so forth. Um, we found um, once you go past sort of 250, then you're really getting into a very large room and you, you maybe lose some of the intimacy that should come with a podcast. Yeah, I don't think we'll have uh, that many people show up for a podcast. <laughs> it won't be a problem. All right. No. We'll be good. Two. Two, yeah. two and a half. 
Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, see, that's that's what I would spend a lot of my time doing is sitting in on the other uh, events. So, you know, it's hit or miss sometimes, too, with with events coming back. I mean, I was thankful that because leading up to my event, you know, every other event didn't have a lot of people in it, you know, and it was like and uh, so it, it wasn't there were there were more people in the first time, but the first time I did it. It was a room that, like you said, it was a room that's probably one quarter the size of the room they had me in this time. So when you have, you know, when you have like 12 to 15 people in a room that seats 30 versus 20 in a room, 20 to to 24 in a room that seats 100, Mm. you know, it doesn't. It doesn't, or it you're you're gonna have more people show up, but it doesn't feel like that, and then you really feel bad for other people. It right? certainly is a, a different atmosphere. They have in like a large two room. people show up in a, like a room you like that. Communicate with the audience. How do you get with them? Like, and there's also as a performer, how like you fill the space in a way in my performance, you know, and it's harder to fill that larger empty room and and sort of be that show person and, and that personality when you you've got such a big room and but look i understand that's just part of conferences there's a room look you're the early one in the day we understand not as many people come we can't shift you but um there's little things yeah i mean sure my whole life is thinking about what level is this performer at and what room can i sell them in that's literally to sum up my business uh so it's something i I would think about a lot uh, I was actually on the weekend, I was performing at two events. Uh, I was the host on Friday and another event on Saturday, both company parties. So companies uh, are trying to get their, one was a small one. The first one was for a small crypto company here in Estonia. Uh, very nice people. Uh, I was the host. They had a band. My friend did some other stand-up comedy. And then Saturday was a very, like 250 people for a bank, the uh, international people, fancy ties, the whole thing. Um, so when I was there, actually, I was speaking to my buddy, uh, Anton, who runs one of the event comp- one of the not tech companies here. So every time I, I was saying in a few of my videos that uh, I know a lot of the companies that rent gear, that provide these technical gear in Estonia, because I, I work with them at these events. And lately, I've been asking all of them. And again, I asked my friend Anton, I said, you got any of those Sony Pro monitors? And he was like, nah, mate, Samsung. I've got Samsung, but no one nothing sony and uh i i you know it's it's a funny end or addition to our conversation about lcd and oled and all of that that i have i mean i can go down and rent a whole bunch of oleds a whole bunch of interesting other monitors but it seems right now we're only really interested in the sony ones beyond that it's just the tv i don't know yeah Yeah, the c i remember when say when a lot of the first early Flat screens that were in stores were Samsungs. It seemed like a lot of them were Samsungs. Mm. So they've always had kind of a reputation in that sphere of uh, of those flat screens. Compared to prior to that, there weren't too many Samsung CRTs. They did make some, but it's not like they made it. They were pretty much piecing together stuff from every other yeah. TV manufacturer that made like an RCA TV pretty much. Um but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to think about where those go. I think that the more you get into it, it's just like anything new. I think we're we're getting in here, so we're looking at the cream of the crop that we know of, 
And mm. eventually we'll be working around sure. different other things. Uh, <laughs> different and you'll monitors. get to it's... different stuff where there is a good competition, you know, for Sony, uh, other than uh, flat screens. But I always liked their flat screens. I remember being like blown away. A buddy of mine got a, um, a pel whenever the PlayStation three first came out and he had a, bought a TV to go with it, like a nice one. And that came out at the same time and it had like the glass edge around it for widescreen and it was 1080p it had a high refresh rate and it was like the best thing i remember seeing i was like this is a beautiful thing so there's, hey, I there's still to, out there uh, i wanted to ask you actually that reminded me of watching your last video on the uh the bvm the f was f1a or e1a what was it the yeah f5 uh let me i actually wrote it right here bvm 14 f5u that's right, the F5U. Um, I was very interested because I have some very similar monitors. I have a right. the E1E, I think, as well, a couple of those. But what I was impressed with was how good your filming of the CRT screen is. Okay. Very A little bit of rolling, but really not much overall. Talk us through some of those things that you're doing to get great shots of a CRT. Okay, so um, lighting is... is unbelievably important uh so the first thing is in the basement that you're in not this part the bunker part it's got low light there there are a couple skylights like this and then a bunch of lights that you can turn off on the ceiling and you could do the same thing in here so i have to wait till like the sun goes down and the only the, the big part about that is you're eliminating uh the glare like if you go into a room and have that stray daylight, it'll always it, it, it's going to be a real tough thing to try to get that glare. Then you can go in after the fact and introduce lights. And the funny thing is, is with the CRT filming, um, it's more about kind of getting light behind it, the CRT. Mm. So I'm okay. using my shadow lights to project light behind it. At the same time, I can't aim it so that you could see the light off the screen. You know, it has to be kind of situated in a spot to the sides. And uh, sometimes I don't need that much. I can get it with my overhead lights combination wise now. I've got so many overhead lights that I can like click them all off and just use like one back one that shines down. And so that's much more helpful, especially with no backlights. And then I always, you have to set the camera always to be 60 frames per second. Okay. And then so that's an important thing is just to have the settings right and or but it might be different if it's i don't know if pal stuff scrolls at a different rate does doesn't it yeah we'll have to i guess we'll so that you have an pal, advanced topic what yeah, to do with i don't that, know because yeah, I, I don't i don't ever film pal so that could be its own interesting thing i'll have to investigate right. on this side here because i run this camera that we're watching now at 60 yeah uh, it's a setting that i can switch it over to 60 but it's true my my crt is going to run at 50 no matter what yeah uh, see so here it's like 59.97 frequency so that's close enough mm -hmm. to 60 where the camera doesn't usually show the thing the timing as much now the last thing is um it's is the actual what you're filming so you can't, it's very difficult to film something that's bright background, you know, like, for example, um, some screens have a black or darkened background, right? And those are going to film incredibly well. Like, for example, 
Yeah, the opening stuff generally for like Castlevania games, okay. right? How it's got the black. It's basically a black background with reds, blues uh, that are using the other stuff. Whereas you try something different, it can be more difficult. Uh, depending on what that background is, it'll just flash, Something and then the camera and is going to yeah, be much harder to use. Camera can't uh, pick it up as hard, and you might get effects like that. Um, you can also, a lot of times, it's just an angle that you're shooting. Sometimes you just have to change the angle. And uh, I've noticed a lot of yours are flat on most. A lot of them are flat on. A lot of them are in one side, like zoomed yeah. up into a corner, circuit sides, or you know kind of crooked maybe looking down so that the strobing goes away and then uh and then i just film short segments it's it's just you know it's it, when i shoot like b footage of this stuff it's it's like i sit there i'll set the thing up uh the monitor try to get the lighting situated and then i just go in and okay. spot film yeah. different sections and some of it doesn't look very good and some of it looks good enough um but Which I, camera I, are you using for this uh you can use i use anything i have to the ones that can do 4k is my cell phone um that's mm. really it are you using the cell phone yeah those, those i'm using shots? my samsung cell phone galaxy phone oh. because i can't get uh like this phone this camera i'm using here it, it'll go 60 frames but it can only do 1080p and um the settings for whatever ultra settings are on the camera and then i i can go and do post editing but i don't generally do that on the shots of the crt stuff surprisingly like i generally make that a different line because i do all you know correction for stuff where i'm in the shot mm. and um editing on on that end of a color correction, a little bit of a tiny sharpener, and um, something else. Uh, I just I do it on everything except for generally the CRT footage, sure. just because I try to get it as close to um, what it would actually look like, and I don't want it to be. Yeah, that's what will really mess it up. If you start doing those filters, it'll start messing up the lighting and changing the colors. Do you have a problem with? Uh, is it your phone is focusing really quickly? I have a problem that my the the all I I have autofocus and I know that I should manual focus because I'm getting a lot of when oh, it changes yeah. screen to dark back the color. Yeah, you, see, yeah. no, yeah. mine's mine's pretty good about like okay. I, I can Phones focus, are, yeah. you know, in a spot mm -hmm. on it by tapping it. I know it's kind of crazy. Like I was looking forever for the right camera. And I've even talked to Bob and, and, and everybody. It's still, there's not like a perfect camera for this, right? Nobody's really making, if there was somebody making a camera, they would make it specifically at that refresh rate. I'm sure it's not something right. that's that like crazy difficult to do for some genius somewhere who works on cameras is to make a thing that synchronizes to that refresh rate. It's just now the standard is 60 frames or 30 frames before... I used my cell phone. I was actually using an old Nikon camera that would do 1080p, 30 frames. And uh, that was like, I was just, I thought my stuff looked terrible with it. And I did that for like, a, a, I mean, yeah, I was funny. I went early cell phone, first like 50 videos. Then I went to this Nikon camera that was gifted to me. Then I bought this Sony Alpha 
uh, 5100 that I'm using right now. And I did, I could never get this one situated the way I wanted to until now. There's so many good like tutorials on it since it's like an eight year old camera that I've got it like perfectly set to the way it'll look its best, I think. But I just was like, I can do so much more with um, the fact that the camera on my phone can do 4K and 60 frames. Mm. And so I was just able to get better uh, clarity, I think, too, you know, with frame and with, with taking those shots. That's great, man. That came out well. Actually, because now I think about it, I have uh, in the OLED PVM video, I've got shots of the CRT BVM. And uh, I remember that being quite okay when I took those shots. So, yeah, the yeah 60, it looks good. It was a lower room. It had Final Fight going on that, and that didn't roll at all. Um, yeah, mostly I had problems shooting that video with autofocus, even on the on the the OLED PVM because it'll go black, and then and I know I've just got to load my camera. Well, and that's and that's one it. of the reasons that I stopped using this. Um, I think that was one of my big complaints about the Sony alpha that i'm using was it so many times they're like that's what they were like oh you got to get this camera it has awesome you know autofocus because you can do like this and it'll catch you and it's great but like you say it will just sit there and do that the whole time and like if you're watching this you could watch it in slow motion and see my hands going all over the place and it's picking them up so it does but like you say it's going to constantly do shifting that so that's why i got tired of using it because again i would have to switch that every time to something else that figure out what worked with the camera whereas I don't know. I like I was like put it in my phone in the regular mode. Now every time I start it, it's in that mode, <laughs> and that's what I try to do. Uh, the majority of filming. The problem with doing the 4K filming is it's so large. Mm. Um, you would not. I mean, all my videos are like, I don't know. I don't know what a normal one used to be, but now they're like 10 gigabytes of processed, you know, 4K footage for an MP4, and so you start saving those. And I've got just too much storage here with it on there. But at the same time, it takes a, like it, the the graphics stuff. It has to work hard to do anything to that. I'm really surprised. Like anytime you add a processing to a clip, mm. it it adds so much back end like uh, rendering time. How long does one of the let's say you're twenty you're you're doing about twenty, 20 minute yeah. videos? How long is that taking to to export? <laughs> hour and a half to two hours like oh, after okay. after i finish it and mm -hmm. like i'm ready to render it into an mp4 that i eventually load up to youtube that's that's how long and the thing is is if it's all like that color correction and stuff on the footage if mm -hmm. i leave that off i can tell because then my uploads only take like 30 minutes and then i'm like oh i forgot to do that because uh and I, I don't know that i mean it's it's funny to even worry about it, but at the same time, you figure you got it. You might as well just do it. If it works for you, it's right. great. You might you've as got well that just workflow. Do it. You know how it works. Because for me, I'm using an I'm using a almost an eight year old Mac to edit on. So if I've got a longer thing, I just leave it overnight usually. So I actually don't know really? how long a ten yes, minute thing I could. That's what I was gonna say. Before I got my new system, I couldn't uh, do four K. Like that yeah. was another thing. Before I got, um, I thought it was interesting. Bob had mentioned this. He did like a build on Twitch. I didn't get to see it, but he built a new PC. 
And that's the issue is you need a good graphics card to at least be able to edit this video and do a lot of things. If I tried to do the color correction to like 1080p footage on my laptop, which was a Dell, it would crash it. It would just <laughs> yeah. freeze and crash and I just couldn't do it. Whereas with this system, it was opening up where I could do anything. Uh, and I, cause I don't know how, like, I don't, I'm not good at, like, if I could do graphics and stuff, I could do it, but I, it's like so hard to learn each new, these new things. Um, but yeah, that's what, so I'm learning like things and, and things that I just wasn't able to do before due to the technical of things. Now I can, uh, because it just takes more, more stuff. It took nine months to get that graphics card. Oh, that's right. Cause it, yeah, right. The shortages of the, well, video yeah. Card. And it's, it took nine months and I got on a wait list for evga.com. And if you don't have, if you've never bought a graphics card from them, they'll put you on a wait list. It's, and they'll give you like three to choose from. You get to choose whichever uh, on their list. And then they'll let you know when one's available and they give you 20 hours to buy it. And then that's, that's it. Right. You lose if you don't. Well, let's hope things are, are changing. I've been reading yeah. that with all the, the cryptocurrency crackdowns around the world, that this is now meaning crypto miners are not buying GPUs, which is no. leading to price falls. I hope this comes out. I don't know if this is just some media kind of shakeup that I heard. It would be good uh, if it comes out like that because I don't have a uh, tower PC. I use a mini PC and my old Mac and uh, it's fine. Uh, I get the, uh, if we do the podcast, I just leave it overnight. It's, you know, I can't, with the time zones anyway, it's no use me getting one out really soon anyway. I sort of need to wait a while. And uh, I only edit in uh, 1080p 60. So my, my, my old Mac can, can deal with that. I don't need 4K. And then, uh, although even because with the last episode that I put out with Porkchop Express, because that had no uh, video, what I did was uh, I found this tool that you could give it a wave file. It's a command line tool. You you pass it a wave file and it gives you back an MP4 file with your waveform done. Like and a, you can like a heartbeat waveform looking little bit. Yeah, like if you watch frequency. the the pork chop express yeah, video, you can see it's it, sort of yeah. it it kind of and it's something rather than a static image and it's synced to the audio and it it all makes sense, but I, that uh was taking 5 hours to export itself so i had to wait one overnight for that uh get that file then overlay that video in final cut then do another export of another three hours or something but that's eh, fine i'm in no rush yeah yeah it's funny you know it's just like how much how much time do you just keep putting into a video sometimes yeah it's <laughs> excuse me i often wonder myself like will it really matter if i add like this little graphics to this one little scene it's like it's not going to get a thousand more people to watch it yeah, uh that's true you gotta get it yeah, at some you stage gotta you gotta get, get, get it out the door otherwise no one will watch it if you forever are adding forever bits in yeah um yeah that was some uh some stuff i i the the bvm was interesting i had some people asking some stuff about the memory cards and oh yeah so this is something interesting i thought we should maybe mention because that bvm had a, a a ton of hours on it, like over 120,000 hours on it, which means it was bought, it was switched on and just left on. And that's why I got a new CRT in 2005, which would have been like eight years after it was installed or something. So 
120 something hours, a thousand hours. Cause it's like 13 years. Right. So that's a lot of, you know, time of it. If it's just on all the time, that's what it comes out to. So people were asking about this, like, how is that even possible? And yeah, of course they could leave them running. It's not like it's just counting hours, adding them some trick way. Um, but it did make me think because this person left a comment saying that the memory card could have a battery in it that goes bad. And that's very true. It's an SRAM video card or memory card. It's very old school crap. But those technology. memory cards are they don't stay in the unit though. Are no, we talking about that's a what thing? I'm saying. Like he was thinking yeah. he told me, oh well it can lose all its functionality if you take the memory card out and it doesn't have basically if the battery goes dead in the memory card. And I was like, that's not the way this is working. Hmm. All that information is stored in that first board with all the VGA looking inputs in the back. The, it's like ISR board on there. Oh, that input board with the next to the input boards with what looks like VGA connections. Oh yes, yes. On, on the, the end, the it's BVM. typically yeah. on the on this on one side, on the left side or something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's where your data is stored for your BVM, like the hours and things like that. And it's this is this is a but this made me think of something that was key. Uh, was you. So if you have hours on your BVM, they're all stored on that card. And that card, if you took that card out and put in a card you found from another BVM that said it had like 15,000 hours, then the next person gets that, thinks they have a 15,000 hour BVM when they really have a 120,000 hour BVM. So I was like, it's like odometer fraud. It is know? a little bit. So uh, I remember there's a, though, there's a way to check. You know, and I, you go ahead. I, I was going to say, I do, because I have of those, uh, the BBM F1 or whatever's that I have, I have like four of them. I had five. Vlad's got one now. Um, and I was, uh, I think two, only two of them properly work. Like I've got enough bits to make all two work. And I was swapping around those cards at one stage to diagnose problems. And I found that it has to be exactly the same model. I think... Like even if you say like the F1E or what E1E, whatever, it has to be exactly. I have one of them that's a bit different and it didn't work. Uh, so yeah. that Odo, that odometer fraud works to an extent. Well, but there's a good thing you can you can check it. So every, that card that you remove, it has the serial number for the monitor and you could take the serial number off that card and go and if you look at the frame for the mm. monitor under the top shell it'll have the serial number and those numbers should match and the serial number will even be in a third place so it's like a vin verification let's <laughs> well, see so the serial number is going to be on the back of the monitor on the imp on the card and on the frame inside yeah. is that the three you mean yeah so it should be yeah on all that stuff and it might even be on another another spot somewhere but you can Holy. you can verify that um but that's not the only one that I had seen with over a hundred thousand hours on it. I've seen plenty. Like, okay. And there's nothing did. on the tube, so you couldn't tell anything about the tube. The tube, the tube had been replaced, uh, obviously by the sticker. But it mm. and and only thing uh, I did notice, I had to actually add, and I didn't do this on that video. I had to add a uh, purity magnet, which is a little circular magnet we've talked about them before i had to add that to one of the corners behind uh like the top 
corner because there was a purity discoloration that wouldn't go away. And it was because they'd reset the tube and they just didn't do that with the new tube. They just put the tube on there and set it and then got it to mostly good. And uh, in 2005, you know, they just swapped it and said, hey, you know, this is an old monitor probably. <laughs> this is the best it can do. So I was able to go and add a purity magnet and balance the color back out, which was a good thing. But I didn't that that actually was not on the video because uh, basically I did that first and then came back later and decided to do the video on the monitor when I took the screen layer off because I was like, I'll have to take that off eventually. And so uh, that was one of the things that, yeah. So that was like a load. I've got one more monitor that's on my maybe videos to work on list, and that would be a Panasonic from that list of... Uh, or from that load of monitors that I worked on. It's a BTH-1350Y, which is like a 600-line monitor. And okay, not too shadow bad. mask. And it's prof professional level. Yeah. And this one's actually made by Panasonic. Um, the other one I did was made by JVC. Inside, it just said Panasonic on the outside. Um... Yeah, Panasonic. That's yeah. interesting. I don't think we've we've seen much at all of Panasonic Pro. Monitors. No, just the one. Yeah, that I did last time. It's from the same guy. He owns both of them, and they're both really good monitors. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Really, that was it. Um, I do. I did tell you this just before I got on here, where I was working on a 20L5 that uh, had some problems. So that was why okay you been, and you fixed that how uh, yeah I just sort of fixed it like five have? minutes ago so I've got a little video coming on that okay it's, nice. it's uh yeah it was actually something where Savon Pat was like this is what's wrong with it and he was right <laughs> so I was like yes easy <laughs> but that's pretty much it you know yeah mate. maybe we'll wrap it up uh, soon yeah and, this uh, is probably a good spot to just like uh, we could talk about more stuff in the next one unless there's yeah, something else you think that. Oh, I think it's all good. I got more. We always got more stuff for next time. Right. Uh, we got next week. So yeah, cool. What have I? I'm trying to think. What have I got coming up? Uh, the only thing that I'm going to be working on in the next week, I'm waiting for just a few simple components to come in. Um, I'm working on a. Uh, I said you would call it RGB HV to RGBS converter. So the the use case is we've we've both got the GBS units, the GBS control that's very popular now as a cheap retro scaler. And that unit only outputs RGB HV. So with the, the horizontal and vertical sync together. And even if you output 240p or 480i or whatever it is, it's always HV. And I had this idea that I'm like, well, I've got the uh, Antonio Villena adapter uh, for Mister. And all that basically is doing is taking RGBS plus five volts true and it's and then it converts it to composite and S video. And I thought, well, maybe it's gonna work on the GBS control. And so what I'm gonna do is just make a small VGA dongle, uh, pa passes through RGB. Uh, I'm gonna get five volts out of the, the original unit from somewhere, pass that into pin nine. And then just the simple circuitry that you can get from retro RGB that's been designed by uh, Steve from uh, HD Retrovision. Uh, because if you're trying to combine H and V, you can't just stick two wires yeah. together and you Wire. can't use a Y cable <laughs> right. sort of thing. 
it's a pretty it's a it's like four resistors and one transistor it's not a, a difficult thing so i'm just going to put that inside of a dongle and then it could be gbs control dongle antonio villena adapter <laughs> and then in theory you've got s video and composite coming out of the the gbs control when you're doing your downscaling uh, so that's as soon as I get that in, that'll probably be my next video. That little thing. It's not look. It's no science, uh, yeah. rocket science revolution, but it's just a nice little component that I think might help a few people. Yeah, I think you're right. I was actually going to see what you had. I forgot to even mention that I had actually started using my GBS control over the last week. One of the things, like I finally beat a game, and you were talking about PlayStation Two, mm. so I was playing PlayStation Two on my gps control and it's the all-in-one unit and i was using uh i first was using scart and these games most of them you know that's they only output 480i so it i was getting used to like the output on mine because it outputs hdmi so i was putting it to my big screen and sure. so uh i found that with the 480i that was coming out of either input when I was using the SCART or component would outscale awesome to my TV through 480p, like, you know, through the HDMI out. Mm -hmm. And then 720p was pretty good too. I just liked 480p more. And huh. then, but 1080 wouldn't work if it was 480i, which was crazy. It would just drop a frame and lose picture yeah. sync on my television. And uh, if I got it up to 480p, it would go to 1080p and output 1080p. So I didn't know if, you know, it's such an odd, like, uh, open source piece of machinery still. But it, I was like, I really did like the way it was handling that 480i and flipping it out to 480p out the HDMI to use on the TV. Mm -hmm. It was doing really, really good at that Um because I think that's one of the problems with a lot of the four, the games on the PlayStation 2 is they're in 480i. Right. And so I know that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I spent a lot of time working with that thing this weekend, last weekend. Okay, yeah, me too. Yeah, because I, I wanted a way to put my PS2 on my VGA monitor because I just have one screen here. So that's really straightforward. I, I've already yeah. got that going. Composite in, VGA out, that's fine. Um, because if... Uh, what was I gonna do? Oh yes, the other use of this, uh, my little HV to s singles to uh, C-Sync adapter, is then I could take the time sleuth, go time sleuth, uh, 240p, HDMI to VGA, then use this, then I'll get comp 240p composite out of the time sleuth as well. So this little adapter has a second use. So that's going to be the, the second part of the video is getting composite out of the time sleuth. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I need to get... Uh, that's what I do whenever I see LCD now. I just want to use a time sleuth on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I think Dude, there's man. a lot more to explore with the GBS control. It's it's kind of interesting because, yeah, you're using one side of it, more of a homebrew end, and I've just got the finished product. And I'm using it, I think, for something kind of different where I'm trying to get HDMI more of a... Mm. Um, it's it's more of like an extremely workable but cheap. I don't know. You could insert your other better version here, whether you say OSSC or RetroTink. It's not going to be nearly as good as that stuff. Um, but, but also but significantly it is less. good. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, obviously, like you say, if I'm using... If I'm playing retro games, I'm going to use Mr., 
and then I could do whatever I want straight out of it, right? Mm. But if I'm going to use something that's not available on the Mister right now, and uh, I could go f through the component cables or composite cables into the flat screen, but I actually think it, a lot of these TVs are doing better running through their HDMI ports. Mm -hmm. And I think well, that's we've, kind we've, of we've like seen what that we've without testing. Seeing. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, that's like at least opening something new. Um, and, and again, this product, I, I can't remember. It was like 120 bucks assembled for me. Yeah. So, you know, it's right in that price point. And as of we're sitting here, like I hated all the filters, like the little filters that it says were scan line filters. I didn't like any of them. I turned yeah. them all off. And then I On did. On the Mister. No, no, no. On I'm sorry. Oh. On the GBS control. Oh, okay. So when you go, uh, you you it it sends out a Wi-Fi signal. So you get on a different computer and you pull up the controls. You've done that. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're in there, there's one of them that select filters, and I didn't like any of them, but there was like an auto gain that would up the brightness. I liked that one. That one worked well. There's also a centering scaling thing. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very cool. I just, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're like thinking it's definitely, there's a definitely top tier product, like the retro tank five X it's obviously, you know, it's not the same product. It's, it's like nowhere near it really, mm. because you don't get all the filters. You don't get all the support. You don't get, like you say, we're not, we're having to deal with just SCART and component in and maybe what our, our um, RGB through VGA. Uh, but um I, overall it's it's still a fun tool i think i like it i think because uh on the other hand on the, when i i made one myself uh i was actually just for my own just sort of making sure i'd covered all the bases i was re-watching voltar's video where he shows how to make one uh just to make sure i'd got everything correct and he quotes about 47 dollars to make it uh i want to say because i know that he bought would have bought that off amazon i got all my shit from aliexpress <laughs> and i reckon i screwed that down yeah i waited a month sure yeah. But I reckon I screwed that down even further. I reckon I screwed that down maybe even to about 30 bucks or something like that with all the bits. So See, that's incredibly affordable. Like, that's way awesome if you do it that direction and, and you're only paying $30 or however much. I don't know whether that if that includes... Because, I mean, mine's a little bit different. There's probably a couple more pieces. Maybe yeah, that's more 20 more bucks if you want everything. Uh, but I did see where people were selling like these on eBay pre-assembled. For like $190. So I do. I feel like that's a bit of a stretch. It's a bit much. By that stage, you're yeah. almost hitting the... No, no. Uh, yeah, you've got... Secondhand OSSC level. Right. Secondhand, maybe retro tink. You could just... You could still do a, a retro tink, whatever it is, the one that's still stocked, that's in between there, that's like that price oh, okay. point. Yeah, he's got a, still got a few there. That is like the component Ooh. and stuff, but yeah. All right. Uh, all right, Steve. We're going to wrap go. it up. Let's do it. we got people here. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching right. uh, and not just an episode of us talking about what we're doing here. Um, look forward to next week. Steve, good luck with your videos this week. You too, Lewis. Thank you. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Uh, oh, and record. Yes. <laughs>